Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Iran Blog Talk Radio Show with your host, Minister Amber. And you're listening to it on the Wind Network. Yes, that's right, Wind Network. Together, we win. They do. Well, hallelujah. Good evening, all Irene fans. Thank you so much for joining me again tonight. Um, this, again, is our third season of the Irene Blog Talk radio show. Me, of course, you know I am Minister Annie Bell, the host and creator of Irene, which is an outreach of Wealth Management Ministries Incorporated. Now, we endeavor to bring talk therapy to survivors of child abuse, sex trafficking, and other traumas as well as providing awareness, prevention, and resources to the community. So thank you, thank you, thank you um, again for joining us. Tonight, the show topic is the um, 50 Shades of Grace, uh, Light in the Darkness. And um, you'll see why when we begin talking about it, why we uh, you know, named this uh, particular episode that. Uh, and we have a pretty heavy show tonight. Um, We will hit on many different points during this interview, and so I'm going to need every minute of the show, uh, the hour that we have, so I'm not going to waste it with a whole bunch of my own monologue. Um, So without further ado, please welcome Cindy Stumer to the virtual studio. Welcome, Cindy. Thank you. Um, Well, you know, all the time, what I like to do is I I like to make sure that our audience get a chance to get to know you just a little bit, our our guests just a little bit. So if you don't mind, Cindy, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, I live in Arborvita, Wisconsin. It's a little small town. Um, I have a brother that is about eight years older than me. He lives in Virginia. He's in the military. Um, I have a niece and two nephews. Um, my dad is a retired police officer that now lives in Arizona. Um, my mom does live in a small town, which is why I'm here. Um, I enjoy working out on the nature. <clears throat> I'm, I'm very passionate about doing missionary work. I've been to Uganda twice, and I'm hoping to get some more missionary work in my future. That's wonderful. Excuse my coughing. I thought I was over my little cold here. Um, That's fascinating. We have, actually, we have listeners uh, in from Uganda. Uh, We have about, let me see, we got Uganda, Ghana, uh, South Africa, uh, Cote d'Ivoire, and a couple other places, Nigeria. So we have a couple of countries in um, Africa that listen to our show. I hope that you'll share your... um, this episode, this broadcast with uh, some of the people back in Uganda so that they know you're still out here doing good work. So thank you for um, sharing that with us. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, during your childhood, you experienced many incidences of abuse. Um, could you please share them with us? 
Sure. Um, the first one happened when I was about um, in first grade. I was pure innocent girl playing Barbies in my room, and my mom had one of her friends over for dinner, um, Maury and Marie, and he came into my bedroom, um, and I stood up, and he came over and started um, grabbing my breast and kissing me, and I tried to get away from him, and I got to the corner of the bed before and he grabbed me and he told me not to tell anyone so I went out and sat in the living room on the couch and he came out of the bath pretending like he came out of the bathroom like nothing ever happened um in second grade I was raped by the neighborhood boy that was probably five years older than me um I was down playing baseball with the neighborhood kids like we always did and um he said he had a popsicle so um I went over by him into some secluded area, and I don't remember the actual events because I blacked out, and I've never been able to remember the actual details, but I came to hearing my father scream my name, and I went home, and I just remember my vagina was very sore. Um, a few years later, I was talking to some other girls who were talking about similar situations and similar feelings, and that's when it was first labeled as a rape for me. Um, nothing then in eighth grade um, I wanted to learn how to fight and one of the my best friend's boyfriend said that he would teach me how to fight and somehow it ended up into um, um, titty twisters um, and then him grabbing my breasts and the more I would tell him to stop the more he would cause physical pain um he, this went on for a long time because I didn't want to tell my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where um, I was actually starting to get like having so much fear and like just shutting down. Um, my friend found out about it um, mm-hmm. and told my mom, and my mom ended up in the hospital. But unfortunately, prior to that, um, because all the stress and everything had got I had physically become sick and I was homeschooled and the school decided to have him as my math tutor so even though the abuse stopped for a while it restarted back up when he was coming over and tutoring me which was very stressful yes yes I wanted to um, make sure you said after your um, mom found out through your friend your girlfriend um, yeah she had, she went to the hospital because she had a nervous breakdown. I believe believe so. Mhm. Um, and that's one of the reasons why you didn't want to tell her because you had an idea exactly. what could happen. Mhm. Yeah. And so, um, wow. Go ahead. When I was about fifteen, um, one of my mom's boyfriends. And two of my friends, we went down to Six Flags, and we rented a hotel, and he bought us a whole bunch of alcohol, and we were all drinking. And the next morning, I woke up with him in the bed with me, with his hand tightly gripping my, like, breast. And, like, so he pretended he was sleeping, but, like, you can't have a tight hold on someone when you're sleeping, in my mind. Right. And then when I was 16... Um, I was raped by my boyfriend in my own bed in my house. Um, I think that was the most traumatic one because I was fighting so hard to get him off me. And my mind wasn't like processing, like, why can't I get him off? Like, how is it escalating to this level? Like, how did his like penis get in my vagina? Like, Mm -hmm. and when it was all done and over with, like, I just balled up and like, I cried and like, I couldn't move. And I couldn't tell. And I want to talk about this for just a moment because you know we we will have some youth who will listen in, um, because there is a difference. This is your body, so whether you have a boyfriend or even a husband, you know, um, if you're if you get married early at eighteen, seventeen, whatever the law is within your state, but your body is your body. So if you do not want to have sex and you are forced 
to, whether it's physically or through coercion or whatever have you, that is rape. Um, and I wanted, you know, I want you, Cindy, to, to tell me uh, or tell our listening audience, um, how did you come to understand that what he was doing was rape? Because a lot of times uh, they think that the young ladies think that, oh, it can't be rape because I'm, her, I'm his girlfriend or I'm his wife. How did you come to the understanding that what he did was rape? Because I was taught from the other girls when I was younger that if you tell a guy no and he doesn't respect it, that that's considered rape. Men are, and young men are supposed to respect that. If you say no, they're supposed to stop. That's right. It, no means no. Um, and I tell you, this, this rape culture have us in have us women and you know having to teach our our daughters uh, i hate the fact that we have to teach against that rape culture because yeah we you know girls and uh, women you know with females we should be able to go to a party by ourselves if we want to and not have to you know oh don't go by yourself and go to the bathroom with another woman and um you know don't just don't be alone because we're you know the, we are almost placating and playing to the rape culture when really we need to be training up our boys properly as well so that they don't think and misunderstand what no means. And so even our, our, our son, you know, we have, we have a, um, a, a, a seven year old and uh, from a very young age, we have said, no means no stop means stop. And that's with any and everything, you know? And so, um, that's something I believe that we should uh, teach. So thank you for bringing that up. I believe it was very important for us to talk about that this evening because somebody needed to hear that. Um, so we're you're at 16 now. Uh, you had gone to, at 15, gone to Six Flags, and uh, your mother's boyfriend, who is an adult, was buying alcohol for kids, who uh, for minors. And so he was already breaking the law, sounding like to me, almost getting the um, mood ready or the atmosphere ready for him to maybe take advantage. Um, and then at 16, now after 16, uh, before you became an adult, was there anything else that occurred? Yeah. Um, another one of my mom's boyfriends, um, she strongly believed that, like, when you showered, you had to leave the door open so the condensation didn't destroy the wallpaper. Mm-hmm. And there were several times when I would get out of the shower and I would see him looking, because we had a big mirror. So I could see him standing in the bedroom, standing in the hallway, looking in at the mirror, seeing me like naked in the bathroom. Um, there was wow. the one time when I woke up and he had his hand grabbing my boobs and kissing me. And we found out later that he had drank my Everclear, and he ended up going to the hospital um, because he was a diabetic and his blood sugar was extremely high, and they were worried about him dying that night. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had some Everclear, which is alcohol. Yeah, right. that was hidden in my oh. closet that he got into. Mm-hmm. And you were, um, at that point, still a minor? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, and... Um, so then he went to the hospital. Then what happened? Um, kind of just pretended like it never happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was other times where he would masturbate with a bedroom door open, knowing that I had to walk by that bedroom to get to my bedroom. Um, oh there was times when he, like, lifted the covers and, like, was just looking at me. Um as time continued, it turned to more of when he would give me hugs, he would accidentally crest my breast or touch my butt during mm-hmm. the hug. Um, and that went on for a long time. Can and we say long time? A couple years or? Um, over 15. Okay, so this is the same boyfriend that she's had. It's not multiple boyfriends, different boyfriends. Um, the the one when I was 15 was a different one than the one that when I was 16. Okay, and that went on for 15 years? Yeah. 
Wow. Now, um, we have talked ourselves right into our first break. So everybody, if you could please stay seated. We'll be right back um, with Cindy Stumer, who will uh, talk to us more about uh, the uh, victimization she suffered as a child. All right, everyone, just one moment. Hello, my name is Minister Lloyd Bell Jr., CEO of We Inspire Network Radio. God bless you, and I am Minister Annie Bell, the COO of We Inspire Network Radio. We had you, our listeners, in mind when we created We Inspire Network Radio, or as we like to call it, Win Radio. We incorporated your thoughts and opinions to ensure that our programming will embody true inspiration. And we will continue to bring relevant and heartfelt shows that cater to the needs and wants of our growing listener base. Please, subscribe to our network so that you can stay connected. Join us here every week where together, through God, we win. Welcome back to I Rain Blog Radio Show with your host, Minister Annie Bell. You see, I told you it was going to be a quick second. Thank you for staying tuned and not leaving so you can hear the rest of our show this evening. Uh, welcome back. Welcome back. And you know who I am. I'm Minister Annie Bell. You are listening to the I Rain Blog Talk radio show. Um, we are. Uh, again, powered by We Inspired Network Radio. And uh, if you're interested in sponsoring a show or advertising on our show, please contact our marketing department at 201-477-0469. We're back with Cindy Stumer, who is, again, talking about uh, all that she has suffered uh, through. And I just sat here and I just counted, Cindy, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, incidences compartmentalized of course um not the 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 times that you were but just incidences of different people um who have uh violated you and so i am you know and and then you're not even done uh so i am just uh i just commend you that for your survival uh cuz most people with just one incident uh you know would have been enough uh to send them over you know, the cuckoo's nest, but for you, you um, certainly endured your courage, uh, so I just affirm your courage tonight, and I applaud your survival. Thank you for being on our show this evening. Thank you. You're well, welcome. Well, the last person was um, Dan, which is another one of my mom's friends. He came over to see them, and they weren't home, so he sat down to have some coffee, and then he got up, and I was make, making the coffee for him. And he came over and it started off as a back rub, which then turned into a breast rub. And by then, my body had been conditioned to, when it gets scared, it would physically freeze where I couldn't move and I wasn't able to speak. So I was mm-hmm. just like a statue. And then after that occurred, like, there was times where he would come down and, like, want to be chatty with me and or tell my mom to tell me hi. And just one of those, like, just, just to taunt me. I think with his mentality. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah. you and you understand this as a counselor that um, you, our minds are equipped, our brains. We have the flight mode, um, the uh, the fight mode, and um, like you said, the freeze mode, where when we're you know accosted or when there's stress. Uh, how we react depending on the situation we're in and um, you, your survivor um, response is to freeze when that happens. And it's, um, it's almost taught. It's a learned thing. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it is kind of weird that we, our bodies react so differently with different stressors, but it, it is natural. Um, that, you know, and that's how we were kind of created. So, uh, you know, for those who are out there listening and kind of was like, you know, maybe have gone through the same thing in your 
um, through your abuse, you know, you, you know that there's someone else out here, um, not just Cindy, but there's many who, who will freeze and, and, and can't talk and can't move. Um, so, uh, and, you know, again, our, everyone is a little bit different, but those are about the three main components. Um, now, you said that was the last one. Did you, um, you know, most victims are, are too fearful to tell someone while the abuse is occurring. And I know you had kind of mentioned that, but did you ever go to the authorities, um, tell an adult yourself uh, with what was going on? No, um, I didn't go to the police because a lot of girls, we, we talked about stuff that happened. And one of the girls actually went and had reported the rape and it just kind of got blown off as, oh, it was your fault and nothing was ever done. And the one guy had assaulted, like, there was five girls at least that had been assaulted by him. And the police weren't going to do anything. And there was that mentality of, like, she deserved it. Luckily, a lot of things have changed with sensitivity trainings. And it's mm-hmm. not like that nowadays for in a lot of counties. But it, I'm sure there's some areas that are still out there. Definitely. I, I mean, <laughs> excuse me, the victim blaming still goes on even with all the education and all the awareness victim blaming blaming still happens it's ridiculous and, and i didn't tell I know that you were from my a mom. small town yeah mm-hmm. and not that there's anything wrong with small towns but uh there's such a stigma you know, and if uh, if the if the whole town is of one mentality, it's so hard to break that. Did you find that same thing? When I was young, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And also, definitely. my dad was on the police department, so I definitely didn't want him finding out. Wow. Which would have you would have think that because he's your dad is in the police department that these people would know not to mess with you, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Unfortunately they didn't, Mm -hmm. or they didn't care. Mm -hmm. Well, again, if, if the, if the running mentality is, you know, men are protected, pedophiles are protected, you know, predators are protected, then their, the fear level does go down. Um, but, um, okay. So, so there's some, because you didn't tell anyone, no authorities, there was really no closure. So is it safe to say that you had some unresolved trauma? Um, and as an adult that played to some of your life choices, um, that took you down some, some abusive paths. Could you, could you share that with us? Yeah. Um, well, even growing up, my there's some irony because my parents fought a lot, and I viewed my dad as being abusive, and I swore I was never going to get myself into an abusive relationship, and that's what I ended up doing. Um, there was some comments from my father when my grandma died that he said um, I was going to be a whore when I grew up. So part of that came what? into fighting of, yes, um, my grandma was dying, and um, he wouldn't take me, so I decided I was going to walk to town. And he had the mentality that girls that walked the streets were going to be whores. So I had big issues with um, relationships and did a lot of friends with the benefits. But in 2007, my life changed, and I got into the BDSM lifestyle. I was... Um, taking classes um, for my master's degree and I was just bored and I was going on chats and some guy I was talking to wanted me to look up BDSM and I was completely clueless so I did research and I got into the online chat groups and I actually um, met someone and then um, it was a couple so I ended up hanging out with them and that was like my first relationship in the BDSM world And, I mean, there's a lot of predators out there that look for victims in that lifestyle, and not not all of them are like that. 
I mean, I was in it for almost like five years. I met some mm-hmm. couples that have healthy relationships. I'm not saying all of them are bad. I just happened to find a lot of unhealthy relationships when I was mm-hmm. in the in the lifestyle. Um, mm-hmm. And the first re- relationship ended because, like, I love attention. Like, I didn't get a lot of it when I was growing up. So that's what I was looking for. And with the first relationship, that's why it ended because she didn't have, like, time to hang out. And we consider we call it play. Um the second one, the person lived like in Pennsylvania and everything was done over the phone. We talked all the time. I needed like permission to do stuff. And again, when the attention stopped and he dropped off the face to earth for three months, I moved on. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those I who don't to, know, could you explain what BDSM means? It's bondage, domination, um, um, sadistic, masochistic. And so and, uh, for those, and, and the, one of the reasons why we named, um, that I named it this episode, Fifty Shades of Grace, is kind of this, to, to spin off on the Fifty Shades of Grey. And um, if you guys have any watched any of that, that is the, the type of world. But when I'm made that uh, correlation with Cindy during our pre-interview. Um, she mentioned that, yeah, but, you know, it, it's much darker. And um, and I thought it was pretty dark. I thought Fifty Shades of Grey was pretty pretty black. Um, but then for her to say that it, it gets darker when you're really in it um, was kind of scary. Uh, what are some of the, you know, things that you witnessed uh, and I know you're going to talk a little bit about that, but in general, you know, you talked about a contract. Um, uh, could you go into that a little bit about the, the doms and the submissive and the slaves that you were sharing? Well, because from like, um, I was a submissive and a slave, but they also have bottoms. So a bottom and top, they just, they can get together and they can play and do a session and that's the extent of their relationship. I mean, we're like um, a submissive has, you go into a contract and you kind of say, here's what I will and won't do. They have more say about stuff. Mm-hmm. Where um, traditionally like a slave has no say. She does whatever the master wants or deals with consequences. And for me, the contract, um, I got into a year-long contract, and if I would have left, I pretty much would have been, no one would have wanted anything to do with me in the um, Milwaukee and Chicago area where I was at during the time mm-hmm. of my life. Mm-hmm. And um, so this was like a real thing, like it's a real contract, and you are, uh, you know, you're committed to that as if it could... Um, you know, that there could be some arbitration or whatever, but, you know, and with, and the other thing that's fascinating to me is that here, you know, we are uh, fighting sex trafficking, which is in, in essence sex slavery. And um, there are people who are willingly giving themselves as quote unquote slaves, but because they are making up their own minds to do it and they're not being forced to, we understand that it's not really slavery, but it is um, kind of that way. The mindset is, hey, you're, you're a slave, and so you're treated a certain way depending on whether you are a slave or a bottom or a submissive, correct? Yeah, and I think everyone's relationship is different. I think the people I was with were very extreme, where some of the other people, I think if I would have been in the same situation, it wouldn't have been as bad as it was. Mm-hmm. And here, you know, I want to inject also um, for those and for those who've been following my show, you know, I, I refer to it a lot, which is adverse childhood experiences. And I don't know, Cindy, if you've ever heard of that. Um, but basically it's saying that those who have had uh, childhood uh, adversities in their lives and their there's a little matrix that you could use and um, you fall squarely into that. You actually 
um, are way over on the, you know, the plus side because of all that you have experienced. But basically, there, if a child has unresolved um, adversities that had happened to them, abuse, then uh, they are more inclined as adults to suffer uh, adult onset diseases um, like obesity and uh, heart conditions. It also talks about <clears throat> other neuro neurological, physiological things like diabetes. Um, and then it also goes into behavior, uh, life choices. And so one of the things I see, because, like, and like you have also mentioned, because they were unresolved trauma, you uh, made life choices that um, you might not have made if, one, you didn't go through those adversities, or if, two, you had, was able to resolve them. And um, then I also want to talk about what's known as polyvictimization. <clears throat> Polyvictimization, aka multi-victimization, aka re-victimization, and one of the things you said that is so poignant is, you know, you even though you had chosen to go into the BDSM, and you've seen other people who attract or have been in relationships within that lifestyle um, that were good, um, you seem to attract the ones that, um, well, not you attract them, but the, they, the, the ones that were abusive were attracted to you. Um, uh, and that's part of that whole polyvictimization um, profile uh, when there is unresolved trauma. I'm going to talk more about that in a few minutes, but I do want to let you finish, um, you know, what was the catalyst that made you get out of that lifestyle? Um, it was, it was the end of my contract and the one guy I was with, it got extremely, um, abusive and doing more things that he knew were things I didn't want done. Um, and the last day, um, there was two other times prior where two other doms had choked me to the point where I thought I was going to die. And that's where I actually experienced the Holy Ghost for the first time and, is during that time when, like, I heard this, like, I called my God voice telling me, you're going to be okay. So mm -hmm. that day when I was with the last um, master, um, I was in a situation where I was restrained and things were escalating and I was begging and pleading for him to stop and he kept taunting me and telling me that I love it. And I was just praying to God because I was afraid it was going to escalate to him killing me that mm -hmm. if I lived through this experience that I would get out of the lifestyle because previously when I was with one of the other doms like I was in the shower and I heard like this God voice tell me to get out and I just thought it was the devil messing with me because I believed that this guy loved me and looking back it was truly God warning me like get out like <coughs> the three other ma masters and tops were I got in really bad situations, like, wasn't enough. Wow. So, yeah, just the fact that I thought that time was going to be the last straw and I thought I was really going to end up dead mm -hmm. was the final straw. And so um, this particular Dom, um, he had... Uh, was was escalating in his abusive um, sexual rendezvous with you, and but the last time it had gotten way out of hand, correct? Yeah, and I don't like for me, um, BDSM wasn't sexual for me at all. Um, mm -hmm. I know, like in Fifty Shades of Grey, it portrays like that intense sex life, but I was not having sex with any of the um, masters that I was with. It was, it was strictly it, all play. Okay. So when you say play, it's um, no intercourse. It's just the cattle prods or the whipping. Yep. 
blogging. I did um, needle play, knife play, fire play. Um, I you said laundry list of things. Yeah. And I'm guessing that means that you are being poked with needles. Yeah. Mhm. Any does uh, does it draw blood? Like when they take the needles out, sometimes you bleed. Is it, is it almost like acupuncture? No, because, like, they put the needles in, like, sideways and did a lot of, like, designs with them. Just you talking about it, I'm about to pass out because I don't even like needles. <laughs> I don't even like <laughs> shots, you know, so I'm like, I'm going to pass out right here. What are you talking about, <laughs> making signs? <laughs> so... um you know, for those and for us who don't really understand that, could you explain a little bit about this, 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 this different types of play? And you guys, everybody, I know I'm past my, um, and I'm going to skip the probably the next two uh, commercials simply because, like I said, there's so much to cover. So, but go ahead, um, tell me about the different plays that you're ta- that you you had mentioned. Um, like fire play is when they use fire and like they can do cupping where like they stick the fire inside the cup and then they stick it to your skin and like the suction sucks up mm-hmm. and it's a very interesting sensation um some people will like rub the fire on you and for some reason like because it's happened so fast you don't actually feel it but like when you're watching it it messes with your mind mm-hmm. so i can't remember what else like Flogging and whipping, like, there's so many different types of floggers and whips. Like, they're made with, like, cow or deer. But, like, each one has a different sensation. And with that, you got to be careful. And you, like, I was taught in the beginning, you don't let anyone play with you that doesn't know what they're doing because they can ser- do serious damage to you. Yeah. And I unfortunately found some people who I was, they're guinea pigs. And... um there's a concept called subspace. It's kind of like cloud 12, I consider it. Mm-hmm. But one of the things is your top is supposed to stay with you at all times when you're in subspace because it's like kind of like you're crashing. And like, you know, it's not safe to wake up alone because sometimes you're disorientated. Sometimes you need water and food. And mm-hmm. um, one of the doms I was with did that. Um, another thing is they're never supposed to play with you when they're intoxicated. And I had a top that um, he came over one time and was drunk and restrained me and walked out and I know his play was a lot harder when he was drinking because he didn't realize how hard he was throwing mm-hmm. like the whips and stuff but I mean there's so many different types of play that are out there like basically so, whatever the fetish um, may be for that particular person correct Correct, and they can have multiple. I mean, if you go into a Walmart, pretty much anything that you see could be turned into a toy somehow. Wow. Wow. And I'll a lot never of be it able is just Walmart right again. Just joking. <laughs> <laughs> it's a power exchange. It's mm-hmm. giving someone else pleasure by being used. At least that's what it was for me. I mean, I think a lot of people have their own reasons why they're in the lifestyle. And one of the things that I actually struggled when I was in the lifestyle is because I, the one master, I had to go to church. So I was starting to get back with God and at the Mm -hmm. same time living this lifestyle. And I struggled, like, why can I serve this man, but I can't Mm -hmm. serve God? And the answer was the immediate consequence. I knew Mm -hmm. I didn't do what he wanted. Like the punishment was going to be great. And because as a dom and you really are playing this entire role completely out that you're giving them the control and the authority to punish you if you don't do what they say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's um, for me and my personality and my survival response. Because uh, I went totally on the other side where I was, I had to be the one in control. I had to be the one, uh, made all the decisions, you know, 
to this day, I want to drive. I don't want to. I don't want anybody to. I don't want to be in the car with another driver because I that made me scared um, that they could have full control over me and take me where they wanted. Uh, you know, the time would be uh, up to them and all that stuff. So I'm. I, I know I couldn't have gone into this lifestyle, but one thing that's interesting that you're saying that it was never sexual for you, but you know, there is that misunderstanding that this lifestyle is all about sex, that whether it's you get the, you get the, the play, the, whether it's with the needles or whatever, but it always ended up with sexual intercourse or somebody um, uh, having an orgasm. But you're saying that that's really not, that's not all that the lifestyle is about. Am I understanding that correctly? I would say from my understanding, probably 95% of it, like, because a lot of the couples are husband and wife that oh. I met. So I think the majority of it is integrates that sexuality and sexual play where for me, I might've been a little odd duck, mm-hmm. but that definitely wasn't why I was in it. Mm-hmm. And again, because of your unresolved childhood trauma you were looking to fill a hole um with you know a round hole with a square you were trying to um the void that you felt was you were trying to fill it in this lifestyle to 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 get in and feel loved and not um you know there is that attachment theory in psychology where if as a child you do not have that attachment with your um, caregiver that it, you could, you know, go through life um, always seeking um, that. And uh, for some, they, it becomes abusive and some for others, it be, you become the abuser. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the abused. So, um, you know, again, we were talking about this, not to be all up in her business and um, getting into her Kool-Aid, but more so to bring some understanding of why talk therapy, why, um, you know, counseling is so very, very important. And I, I thank God that he spoke to you um, so that you could have the option to come out of that lifestyle because, like you said, that night could have been your last because that, that the, the last night of your contract with that dom, he was very um, violent, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm thankful that you have survived uh, so that you can come out and teach uh, and uh, equip and uh, break chains for those who uh, who needed to hear your candid uh, story. So um, the you got out and. Um, then something else happened after you got out of that lifestyle. Um, yeah, I went and I started doing um, missionary work. And when I got back from my missionary work, I was actually raped again. Um, and I think what I got out of it was because, like, when I was younger, I was so angry at God because he's supposed to be a loving father. And why is he letting all this stuff happen to me? But mm-hmm. by that time in my life, I knew God didn't promise that you weren't going to have suffering. I think he actually promised that you are going to have, you know, trials and tribulations. That's and right. to know that he is there with you, that rape I actually healed from so much faster because I had God in my life. And I yeah. leaned on him, Ooh. which I had never done before. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. You know, you being able to make the distinction of the depth of your healing from, you know, with God versus without God. That is a very powerful statement because uh, the G in Irene is to grow in Christ without the relationship with the father, with the, um, with the Holy spirit, with Jesus Christ, without that relationship with the triune, with the Trinity, then there is a piece of us that will never reach the level of healing 
because he's the one who that makes us whole. Amen. And so Amen. Um, this show, you know, ultimately, yes, we talk about prevention and we talk about healing, but ultimately it's to point people back to Christ because without that relationship, uh, there's the, the, the organic, the true depth of healing, the next level depth of healing cannot be had. Um, and a lot of people who are not Christians, they, they won't understand that. Uh, and they'll say, you know, even atheists will say, well, you know, I'm healed. I don't have any problems. But there are, a, there's a, a part of your life that is not, you're not whole. There's a part of you that is not whole. Um, uh, wholly integrated, you know, there may be fragmented. Because a lot of times when we go through abuse, there is a dissociation um, uh, they they even call it a disorder where you can dissociate with the the person with your own self, and so that uh, during the trauma you can remove yourself um, from it so that you can actually cope and survive, and so that becomes a disorder. And you a lot of people um, may know it more as a personality multiple personality disorder. Um, so uh, repressed memories and things of that sort. Uh, so that, you know, different things that we, uh, our brains do to be able to cope with that. Now, um, and, I, and I forgot to mention that you are a substance abuse counselor, right? Did I say that right? Yeah, a clinical substance abuse counselor. Yes, yes. Um, and, and my husband is one as well, and so I should have gotten it right the first time. <laughs> but uh, do you believe that there's a correlation between drug addiction alcohol addiction and unresolved um, childhood trauma? Oh, yes. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many studies that are out there. And I mean, I think part of it is because there's a struggle to cope with the trauma. And then there's Mm -hmm. like symptoms of like the anxiety, depression, anger become very impulsive. And -hmm. I know the, the more severe the abuse is, generally the more severe the drug and alcohol problem is. Mhm. And that's um and I find that to be true as well as a um Christian counselor that uh, and, and it goes right back to that ACE adverse childhood uh experience by Dr. Filetti the research that he did uh, one of the other things is that a person who is uh, uh, who has gone through uh abuse and is unresolved there is a you know, 900% chance that that person would, could, would be an intravenous drug user, um, again, or alcoholic, because uh, they their understanding has been breached. And so their development as a child, developmentally, they were derailed. And so where in one area a child may have developed and know how to make um, you know, good decisions, good choices for the one that was derailed, they, it, it's kind of skewed. And so um, there is a high probability for those who are survivors to, uh, you know, again, fall into that, that com- those compartments, those categories um, of the ACE study. In um, reflection of your life since the very first incident, um, if you had a do-over button, where would you use it? Starting from the first incident all the way to the last. I honestly don't think I'd want to use it. I mean, as awful as that sounds, like I am who I am today because of all this abuse. And mm-hmm. I was able to go to the Haven Retreat this summer and meet a whole bunch of women that are mm-hmm. so supportive of me. And I'm become so passionate to help other women who are survivors mm-hmm. and if this stuff didn't happen to me I wouldn't be where I am today Amen, amen and um, that's a very courageous thing to say and so um, you know, filled with strength I would have used the do-over button for me, I'm going to be honest and I was just on uh, Facebook Live earlier because we were rolling out a new um, initiative and uh, it's called Prevention Works. And what we, that the whole rationale of that is that it is better to prevent abuse 
than it is to try to cure it, you know, um, prevent yeah. it than trying to help a person heal because that pain is deep, you know. And so if I had a do-over button, I sure would do over both um, of my um, violations, you know, one of them that happened to me uh, in, while I was five and then uh, when I came to the United States, it happened from the age of six all the way to 14. Um, I would do, I would, I show sure enough would do that over, <laughs> but that's just me, you know, I guess I'm just, I'm a, I'm a, a bit of a wimp, but <clears throat> um, what word of advice would you give to someone who is currently being victimized um, or even a survivor? Um, I think my biggest thing is the things we're going through is completely normal. Like the drinking, the suicide, the addiction, like that's how a lot of us cope. Um, Also be careful who you tell because I went to a pastor once and he ended up using it against me and having inappropriate relationships with me. And I've had counselors who've yelled at me and shamed me worse than I shame myself. So it's Mm -hmm. really finding people that are going to be supportive. Um, And I'd like to say, like, just be aware of when you're in relationships. Because I I know even for me, there was times when I stayed in a relationship because out of fear. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of outside people are like, oh, why don't you just get out? It's like, there's that fear factor. Like, they're going to hurt my friends or they're going to kill someone, you know. Mm -hmm. And restraining orders don't always work. That's right. And we we know that from all the news we read about. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I guess, and I and make sure you that. take care of you. I'm sorry, I interrupted. What did you say? Make sure you take care of you, because a lot of times survivors focus on taking care of everyone else, and it's so That's important right. to make sure we take care of ourselves. Amen to that. Amen to that, because um, the end in Irene is nurture yourself and others, but we have to first l- relearn how to nurture ourselves. Those who are abused, especially in childhood, we are made to believe that we are nothing but objects and that uh, I know my victimizer used to tell me I should be glad that he want to F me um, because nobody, nobody's going to want me. Uh, I, I'm, I have a disability. I actually uh, survived polio and um, I was supposed to, they, you know, the doctor said that I would die before I turned 16, but I'm uh, almost 50 and um but I do have to wear a brace on my leg. And so, uh, you know, the, the abusers, they will do and say just about anything to condition to, um, uh, what's the other word that's not coming to me, but to, to basically turn that person into their puppet to do what they grooming. want. They grooming. Use grooming. Yes, they will. Um, use fear tactics, they will, you know, buy you Burger King, McDonald's, I mean, just even, you know, sex trafficking, the, the, the crazy things that they do um, to, uh, to, to bring the fear in and then uh, reward with, you know, a McDonald's French fries because they went and uh, had sex with one of the buyers. So it's, it's really crazy. And I love also what you said about watch who you tell. Um, part of our show is that this is talk therapy and it nothing begins the healing process sooner and better other than God, of course, but second is to talk about it, but it has to be in a, in a nurturing environment. It can't be, um, someone that, you know, has a foul mouth or has no understanding and no sensitivity. You don't want them to be the one that you tell because you know out of, out of their mouths they're going to say something um, that is inappropriate. Uh, those who are uh, giving a listening ear to a person who has gone through um, abuse, I also tell you, don't say, oh, get over it. Uh, that's in the past. Or um, aren't you over that by now? Absolutely not. Wrong thing to say because you could actually re um, victimize that person that way. You can um, re-injure, re-traumatize that person um, by those harsh words. <laughs> if you don't know what else to say, then shut up. Um, I, I know that's rude, but, you know, if you can't say anything nice to someone who just revealed that they've gone through a, an abuse, just be quiet and go find out what 
the appropriate thing to say than to say something inappropriate because you can never take those things back. Um, we have a few more minutes here. Um, what are some of your future endeavors? Well, I'm currently working on writing a book to tell my story, but I'm starting to work hard on my dreams of creating a nonprofit treatment center for survivors of rape and human trafficking. So hopefully within the next five years, I will have that up and running. And I'm just looking, hopefully, for further opportunities to share my stories and help others and let God use me where he wants. Amen. So when you do get the book out and when you do start your organization, please get back in touch with me so that we can bring you back on the show and uh, talk about uh, what you're doing because we love to stay in touch. And um, we love to see survivors taking the next, going into the next phase of thriving, which is to turn around and help others. Um, and that is, of course, the I, the second I in I reign, which is to illuminate. And what I've been talking about it so much, but I'm going to, you know, uh, of course, go through what each um, uh, letter means at the end of our show, like I always do. But I want to give our audience a time uh, to, to know how to get in touch with you, Cindy. Um, after this show So um, I'm on Facebook at Cindy Stewart and Then I also have a Gmail Account and it's Cindy Stewart At gmail.com Or my Google phone Number is 414-856-5582 But the best Wonderful. way is definitely on Facebook Great, and um, I love that Google phone number because um, sometimes you you know you got to make sure that you're uh, protecting yourself as well. Um, Cindy, thank you so much for uh, being so candid and sharing uh, your life uh, story, your testimony, so that God can get the glory and that uh, someone can be break free of their chains. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, everybody, this is, um, you know, our, our Irene moment, wisdom moment that I'm going to share with you. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, poly-victimization. <clears throat> One of the things uh, that occurs when a person is abused is that there is a sense uh, of um, helplessness because they weren't able, we weren't able to overcome that person who was violating us. Um, that gets embedded. Um, and without proper healing, without getting it resolved, it, it tends to get into our DNA almost, into our rhythm. And so we carry ourselves in such a way where a uh, predator, a potential predator, can see the helplessness or the weakness. Um, and so they are then attracted. I also believe because I am a Christian, and I believe there's a whole spirit realm that, you know, they say like okay. attract. And so you will have that attraction. Um, they will be attracted to that person. One of the things that, again, we have to do as um, survivors is that we have to remember we're no longer victims. And when we carry ourselves as a survivor, as a warrior, then we don't look helpless. We don't turn, we don't, we don't get, we get past the radar of those perverts and those um, uh, perpetrators. Uh, make eye contact, look people straight in the eye and say your hello. Um, but, and, and, and you walk with the purpose. Again, you know, get yourself into a place where you are safe. Don't park far away from the light. Um, at when you're at the mall if you can walk with someone walk with someone to your car there are safety measures that you can take so that you don't get into a vulnerable position ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for being uh, part of our show today uh, we are so in just uh, excited that you are with us and uh, allowed us to go into our third season as you know to make a donation or to get in touch with me or my team please go to www.wealthmngt.org you can also find out more information about prevention works our new um initiative repeat after me i reclaim my life i excel at living i illuminate the dark i grow in christ and i nurture myself and others 
Let's reign together in Christ. Thank you, everyone. See you next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Yes, sir.